Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardawar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. And today, we're going to be talking about our first impressions of the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. We can finally talk about both systems turned off, just to be clear. (laughs) It's very, very specific what we can talk about right now, but we, we can do a bit of that, and we have our incredible games reporter, Jess Condit, on to discuss that. Hello, Jess. Hey guys. Yeah, very excited. Hey. This is this is my <laughs> jam. Let's go. Thanks again for joining us so early for you you. again. (laughs) Well, let me let me just say, if you've been enjoying the show, please be sure to subscribe to the Engadget podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes because that's super helpful. And, uh, you know, if you want to drop us a note or anything, email us at podcastengadget.com. We typically do a live stream of our recordings around 10 a.m. Eastern on Thursdays. So join us for that because then you can join in on the cool Q&A fun. Like today, Jess and I will be showing off our these consoles and pointing to specific things we like on the stream. So check out the video for that if you're listening to this over audio and in general. Join us live because we would love to have you here. All right, Jess, thank you so much for joining us once again. I feel like we're going to be bringing you in a, a plenty of times over the next <laughs> month because this is crazy console season. Um, you wrote up the preview of the PS5 for us. What are your initial thoughts? And let me just say, like, we are restricting what we can talk about. We could talk about the console turned off and we could talk about one level of one game. But yeah, please, please tell us your thoughts. Right. And it's a demo game. So it's like it's a demo game. Yeah, yeah a game. But uh, so the PS5, it's it's interesting. So I think I have a pretty unique perspective here because I've actually had a chance to play with the Series X. I have mm-hmm. a Series S, mm-hmm. so those are the Xbox consoles. Mm-hmm. And now I have also had an experience of unboxing a PS5. Um, and the PS5, honestly, when I got the box, my first impression was, holy crap, it's heavy. Um, yeah, yep. And that didn't change. <laughs> it's very heavy. <laughs> Uh, then I opened it up. It's just a big box and you open it up. It's a big console. Like that's kind of yeah. the first thing I noticed was the mm-hmm. accessory like pile that they had. The, they had a slot with accessories mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the plate, the display plate um, was, you know, it stood out as something I'm not used to seeing in a console box. You um, mean like the stand? The stand, yeah. right. What you put the, yeah. what you actually put the console on. It's so big and heavy that yep. you need some extra support on the bottom. Which is. It's required for both orientations, which I don't think a lot of people realize. So even if it's standing up vertical, you got to have, at least Sony recommends the base there. I know a lot of folks have said, hey, it's fine. It's stable without the base. I I would not trust a $500 piece of hardware that's a tower standing up like that without better support, right? Yeah, like maybe on the floor, if it were actually a PC tower under your desk or something, Maybe that makes sense, but this is going to be on entertainment centers. This is going to be mm-hmm. maybe, you know, kind of high for some people, especially mm-hmm. if you have kids in the house. Like I just, I yep. wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want that to fall on someone. It could really hurt. Uh, but it weighs like, you know, 10 pounds. It's, it's heavy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's heavy. It's big too. So Whoa. I, let, let me just mention my unboxing thing too. I think the first thing that struck me opening this box, yes, it's heavy, but also there was very, very little packaging yeah. inside. And this is an environmental play by Sony, but it's basically a thin outer box, a slightly thicker inner box, and two 
eggshell type things that are basically cardboard holding the console together, it felt incredibly precarious. Like it felt like there is nothing really protecting this console from any outside trauma if it gets dropped or anything. So that seems weird to me. Mm-hmm. How does the console feel to you, Jess? Because I didn't, the thing, and the people are still flaming me on Twitter about this. I really <laughs> didn't like the way it felt yeah. <laughs> uh, because it feels really cheap. Those side panels are really thin. They're meant to be removable. So that is good for upgrading storage and things down the line. But it is very thin. Like it's a weird first impression to me. Yeah, because be like, it's not only mm-hmm. large, but yes, the you're right. They feel they're very thin. These little fins that are like kind of jutting out around the body. Mm-hmm. They they go away from the body. So you mm-hmm. have just these thin bits of plastic that you're sometimes trying to support this very heavy machine with, and <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't feel great. You're right. It, it feels yeah. kind of flimsy. It it doesn't feel like a high end. It creaks. Yeah, yeah, it creaks. That's a big thing. It definitely mm-hmm. creaks when you're holding it. And I don't know, it's it's fine. It's like more than half the width of my TV. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just large. And like uh, people I was also getting some crap on, you know, on the YouTube yeah, video yeah. for like, "Oh, you just you're a hater. You just hate this thing. You can't <laughs> screw one screw into the bottom." It's like, "No, I can." But uh, you know, if we're talking about user experience, this hasn't been the it's best bad. user experience. Yeah, yes. That's all yes, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, you know, Let's one, talk about the stand because, yeah, I'm sure we've both gotten a little hate for our feelings about this. But what what are your thoughts on the stand? It's required on both vertical and horizontal, which to me was surprising. Yeah, the so for the horizontal when it's laying long ways, it's you don't need to like screw anything in. You don't have to actually mm-hmm. do that. You just clip the the whole yeah. plate onto the back of the console, and it like floats. It sits on this stand, and it basically mm-hmm. floats with the disc drive down. Um, and then if you want to do it vertically, you have to like twist open the bottom of this disc, take the screw out, like plug uh-huh. in this other little rubber piece, and then you have to screw it in and then you stand it up. And like to do that, you have to kind of dangle the console over the edge of a couch or, or it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of finicky cause it's a, it's a circle plate with a rectangle console. Yeah. Um, it's again, it takes a few minutes. It's not that hard. It's just it gets in the way of like plugging in your yes. console and playing, which is all yeah. I want to do when I unbox a console. Like, so yeah. it was just I, I tweeted annoying. that by basically that parents would hate this because yeah. you're going to have the screaming kids who are so excited to play their PlayStation five. It was like, no, no, no mama or dada has to, uh, <laughs> figure out how to plug this stand in. It may take five to 10 minutes. It's not a big deal, but it's annoying. It's, it's annoying. not, it's not just pick up and play in the way that maybe any literally any other console is. I can't remember the last time a console required a stand like this. You can potentially run it, you know, vertically without the stand. I can even imagine some people are going to try to fit it in horizontally without mm-hmm. the stand, but this thing is like a big egg. It is constantly mm-hmm. rocking, it is constantly yeah. moving. So, I can see why Sony kind of settled on the stand. I think the design is sort of like an exploded PlayStation 3, right? It's kind right. of the same same cylinder just opened up a little and a lot bigger. I basically do wonder how people are going to fit this into their entertainment systems because it just seems so large. I have I bought a TV stand specifically that had a large row to fit my giant center speaker. So I'm okay, but I know a lot of people who are not okay. And Kyle Kyle Mack, our video producer, who took the video of this, like if he stands it up, it is over his TV. Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's not, nobody wants that, you know? Right. So like I wrote the script for that video and that's my Mm -hmm. voice in the video. And then Kyle did the, you know, did the thing. I had no idea how his living room setup was actually (laughs) going to look. But then when I saw how tall it was, I was like, exactly. Like, that's exactly the problem I was running into where Mm -hmm. I don't really know. It has to go next to the TV or under it somehow, but not everyone has a lot of under storage. I just, Mm -hmm. it's a huge console. You're putting a PC tower in your living room. That's what's happening here. So and I, I'd say that's true for both consoles, right? They're both yeah. basically PC towers right. running the same hardware. So I, I don't want to sound too negative because right. there are some really cool things. What do you think? Um, so Astrobot is a game that comes with every PS5 console. And it's a character that we first saw on the PSVR. And there, there was a PS4 game that a lot of people really like. The game, this game, is basically a demo for the new controller, which I honestly love. I love I the motion show the controller, controller. Right? I'm allowed yeah, to Yeah, you can okay. show the controller. We, we, turned we already off. posted yeah. our thing. All right. I'm very <laughs> concerned about these embargoes. Dude, the controller yeah. is the coolest part of the PS5. This yes. thing is yeah. sick. Like, I love the new DualSense. And um, I've been very much enjoying, yeah, 
Astro, so if we want to talk about mm-hmm. Astro specifically, um, mm-hmm. the trigger action that this game uh, kind of demonstrates is so cool. These triggers have this like adjustable tension in them. So mm-hmm. they, they push like regular buttons. They're totally, you know, standard. And then developers are able to like enable the tension on here to make it harder to press down. So it's almost like pulling, yes, the resistance. And it's like pulling mm-hmm. back a bowstring or, you know, springing from platform to platform. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. It feels good. Like the tension, mm-hmm. I think when I first turned on, when I started playing Astrobot, and like there's a moment where it just kind of, he wakes up or like the console wakes up and the controller just shakes in your hand, like it's grabbing you, which felt, yeah. I was shocked by that because first of all, so the triggers are, you, they're pressure sensitive. You can, they can tweak like how those work exactly on the fly, but the haptics in the controller mm-hmm just feel so good. It is sort of like the HD rumble thing Nintendo was going for with the Switch, which I don't I don't think that really worked out. This is sort of haptics that spread across the entire controller. I don't quite know how it works. I'm sure they have like an array of motors somewhere, but it feels yeah. almost like magic. Like it feels like I don't know how this thing is creating some so many sensations. If you're walking over sand, if you're swimming through water, if you're walking over metal or wood, it feels different mm-hmm. in your hand, which is wild to me. And yeah, what are your thoughts on like it as an overall package, Jess? The controller. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it feels sturdy. Like I like the weight distribution. Mm-hmm. It doesn't creak. Like my Dual Shocks, my old ones for the PS4, they they creak a lot. Um, this mm-hmm. feels great. I love the face buttons. They're like they're raised a little more. I feel like, but they're flatter or something on the mm-hmm. on the top, and they yep. feel yep. really nice. Um, so <laughs> the back of the grips. <laughs> might see mine's already getting a little dirty. Which hey, white uh-huh. controllers. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. White controller. Yeah, uh, Xbox has it too with the Series S. That's just what it is. Uh, but the the grips, the texture on the grips, it's little PlayStation symbols. It's little X's and circles Aww. and squares and triangles. And it's and very, very little. Cute. Like you have to very magnify little. to really see that. Yeah, it's actually on the inside fins as well of the console. Mm-hmm. So like Sony took care. They they have mm-hmm. attention to detail here. I just the whole console, like the the actual console itself, almost feels like a you know second or third draft. It yeah. feels like it's yeah. not quite where I would want it to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hey, it's a, it's a, it's running well. The tool sense is great. You know, all that stuff. It's a Dual new console. It's going to be great. Yep. But it's just, yeah, something, something about the actual package itself is like uh, almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the first PS3, remember like a lot of the first consoles, even like the, the original PS2, like they were bigger than we expected and maybe a little too clunky. So it does feel like it's, just, it's, it's a layer of, unpolish I was not expecting from Sony like normally I expect things to feel a little more complete from them I will say the controller even at this point like playing Astrobot and we're only talking about Astrobot and the cooling springs level (laughs) within the confines of that level I think this controller feels like the best Sony controller I've ever played and honestly one of the best gaming like console controllers ever because it's bigger than the DualShocks and one thing I never liked about the DualShocks is that they always felt a little a little too cramped and Sony deserves credit for really, you know, making dual analog sticks a big thing, making rumble, building it into the controller because mm-hmm. like Nintendo did it with an external pack on the Nintendo 64 yep. and it was not great. So Sony deserves a lot of credit for here for what it's done with controllers. But the basic design of the DualShock has not changed since the very first, you know, since the first PS1 controller. The overall you know, ergonomics of it have not changed much. And yeah, they added Rumble. They added um, six-axis support, which I never really cared for. That's still here. This controller is bigger. It actually reminds me of that weird um, boomerang, I think was a prototype yes. shown for around the PS3. Yes. We are back to the boomerang. <laughs> right? And I think the boomerang feels good in my hands. And we, we can compare some of this stuff to Xbox Series X right now. And I... I am shocked to say I vastly prefer this controller to the Xbox Series X controller, which is essentially Mm -hmm. just a slightly refined version of the Xbox One controller. But the Xbox stuff feels hollow. It feels a little light and flimsy and plasticky. They changed the D-pad, so it's an actual D-pad similar to the Elite controller. But maybe I'm just spoiled because I've had the Elite controller for years, and that, that is the perfect console controller to me. This Xbox One just feels a little basic, especially compared to whatever magic Sony is putting into the motion sense controller. So it is, yeah, it's funny how like we're looking at these two different things, how companies are approaching it differently. Mm -hmm. The question for you, Jess, do you think um, third parties will enable 
these controller features like Astrobot did, to me, it feels like a first party thing. Whereas if you're making a cross-platform game, would you spend the extra time, you know, coding for this stuff? It's, I mean, that's hard to say. I think Sony mm-hmm. has a broad enough first party library that even if it was only first party developers uh, building experiences with that trigger function, that's still a pretty sizable and like huge games that are, that are going to be able to use it. Um, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like Horizon Zero Dawn when you're doing yeah. like bow and yeah. arrow stuff like done, mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Overcooked. Overcooked, sure. <laughs> no, no, sure. Chopping an onion. <laughs> really hard. Actually, really you'll probably you will probably feel the feedback when you're chopping an right. onion because yeah. like that's it what is, I mean. Yeah, it's true. Basically, it moves your hand. Mm-hmm. It's not just rumble. It is like grabbing you. It is sort of like yeah. a ghost grabbing your hand, and you're like, I did not expect that <laughs> at all. Um, also, the controller has a little speaker, which I think adds mm-hmm. to the little adds to the whole vibe of it. There's also a microphone. So yep. at one point in Astrobot, you have to blow into the controller to like blow a sail like a raft. Which is just cute. It's okay, sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I actually, like, the sound, mm-hmm. speaking of the speaker, like, mm-hmm. when I was playing, and, like, if you flick the bottom of the controller, you can, there's, like, the spring action, you can hear it. There's something, the gyro Ooh. mechanism is in there, you can hear it. But um, the speaker itself, there, you know, sound effects come out of it, very, very mm-hmm. cute. And um, it actually covers up a little bit, though, when this thing really starts shaking, you can hear the gears in there or gear, whatever it is. You can mm-hmm. hear whatever mechanism is in there, yep. like shaking at, around a little bit. Uh, the mm-hmm. sound effects cover that up a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's not, it does not ruin the experience. It's and it's a very cool, very cool controller. I love what they're doing with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It feels good. I've played hours on that controller and just comparing these two controllers side by side, like, yeah, Sony wins mm-hmm. that part hands down. Uh, let's just do like a quick comparison to the Xbox hardware so far. So the Series X build of the console itself compared to the PS5, where do you stand, Jess? Because I feel like one just feels sturdier to me. Yeah, I mean, the Series X, I moved it around my house a few times. I shot video mm-hmm. with it, never worried about dropping it. You know, it's it weighs about nine pounds, so it's not far off from uh, the PS5, but it's it's just this like, straight up rectangle obelisk. Yeah, you know, it's it's yeah. all contained. The weight feels pretty well distributed in there. It's not going to topple. Um, so it's it's a solid package. It looks really natural in my living room. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the PS5, again, stands out a lot. Yep. So, yep. And yeah. I have a... Uh... I have the Series X horizontal on my stand oh. right now, too. And even side by side with the PS5, like, yeah, the PS5 stands out more. It is bigger. It is it is sort of like grabbing all the attention in the room because, like, what is this alien future object that uh, it reminds me of, like, the retro feature style we saw from, like, Back to the Future 2 mm-hmm. for some reason. It reminds me, like, Sony is going back in time to predict, like, what <laughs> they imagined the future console would be. But it has the lights. It has, like, you know, the fins and things and just, like, extraneous future stuff. One other thing I want to point out is I think the basic, like, how do I put this device on my floor? The basic like sense of orientation of like what is the top and what is the bottom of the system? I knew exactly what it was with the Xbox because the stand is there. You know how to stand it up. And laying it down, one side of the machine has uh, little feet. So you're just like, okay, clearly it's meant to be there. The PS5 does not have that. Mm-mm. The PS5 has, okay, maybe you can figure out like, okay, you think the disc slot should be up top, but which way should it lay down horizontally? It is not clear because it's a giant plastic egg with no with no like feet on either side. So I actually had to look up some photos to be like, okay, does it need to be this way? And yeah, again, disc on top. It could easily go both ways. It just seems like a weird usability. Um, Wait, yeah. So can it go? Well, no, no. It's disc side down, right? It's oh, mm, that's true. No, uh, no it's I don't know. Side. I can't tell. But no, I can't it's tell. True. exactly. This is the point. No, this is the point. You're right. It's not. It's yeah. not very like intuitive when you look at it it's yeah. like it's this okay, weird shape with down. these yeah. fins and you don't know you don't know what to do with it <laughs> so i want to play it, games yeah. on it that's all i want i just want to play games <laughs> i just want to plug it in and play some games yeah. we will be talking more about these systems soon uh i don't think we can say no. when reviews are coming but very soon, soon very soon and um jess and i will be looking at that do you have any thoughts about just the xbox series s hardware compared to both of these because you have that i don't i don't have that ex- actual hardware I'm looking at it right now it's right mm-hmm, over there mm-hmm. um so like compared to opening the ps5 box and being like oh oh 
Like (laughs) opening the Series S box was very enjoyable. It was like, yay, yay. Um, Again, I don't know. I don't know how they do that. They have their own teams crafting these experiences. But like this, the console is very small. It's so cute. It looks, I mean... I don't. I don't even know how to how to describe it, but it's it's small and it's very compact. Is, and is it smaller than Xbox 360? It must be. Yes. Right? Yes. That was pretty small. It is. Is and it it's, smaller than Xbox Series uh, or One X? Because that was also tiny. One X. I don't know about that. I I okay. couldn't say. Okay. I don't have one in my house to compare. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's nice and compact and uh, it's white as well. So I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the white might stand out still, even though it's a small package, but it's, it's nice, clean lines. It looks almost like the adaptive controller, which I think has a very good design as well. Yes. Very clean. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm digging it. That comes with a white controller as well, which is also getting mm. dirty. So <laughs> there it is. So it goes that is, so white is their Xbox S design in general. Yes. Cause the one S also had that, uh, Sherlyn, again, this is your console. This is the one you need. I mean, um, Honestly, yeah. white blends perfectly into my living room because yeah. that I my that's my palette. It's just all whites and browns. But um, <laughs> perfect mid century modern. Hey, um, right. but yeah, it sounds like the Xbox Series S. I still think I want to get that, but I've it's been pointed out to me mm-hmm. that it doesn't have 4K, and maybe I should consider getting a 4K TV mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. So yeah. I, I will have to think about whether the yeah. S is right for me, even though I do think it is so far, but maybe it's not the most future-proof. I, w- I will reiterate, me. like um, that. I believe that thing can't play 4K video. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the thing. It just doesn't do 4K game mm-hmm. rendering, and don't right. matter. It, don't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. You're good. I personally don't really care about high-resolution no. uh, gaming. Yeah. It's still going to look great. Whatever I mean, the, yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I will see. Well, I'll think about it. <laughs> I've got time. I feel like I've got time until you guys fully review these consoles You've got time. Yeah. To, yeah. to make my decision. And you know what? Maybe I'm bougie enough to get both. Ooh, so, baby. What? PS5 no. and a Series S. Maybe I'm really growing up. You I know love what I mean? it. So. <laughs> You're going to pay $500 for both consoles, install Solitaire on both consoles. Oh, my gosh. Overcooked. What are you talking about? Yeah. I believe in you. I'm, I'm a not, serious. I'm not a cynical. I believe in you. Thank you, babe. Always. Thank you so much, Jess. And yeah, we're looking forward to seeing more of your coverage soon and Gadget. Yeah, I'll be around. In other gaming news this week, it's kind of a big one uh, all around, not just the new consoles. Reviews are out for NVIDIA's RTX 3070. You can read mine uh, at Engadget.com. This is their mid-range card, their 499 card uh, of their new generation. The title I was actually going for with my review was, this is just a $500 2080 Ti. And we thought that would be a little too esoteric for some people. uh, But the 2080 Ti is a $999 card from two years ago. So not even that long ago, I've been running it up until I've reviewed these new cards. And it's still like great. It's still solid and fast. It is impressive that a 499 card can do the work of mm-hmm. something that was, you know, that was not too long ago, twice the price. And I think this is going to be a big um, killer seller for NVIDIA. If you want a PC equivalent um, and something even that's actually better than the next gen consoles, this is a good card to get. Um, and it's interesting because it's, 500 bucks, just like the PS5 and Xbox Series X. So it's all kind of a level playing field here. I'm really intrigued by that. And the question for a long time, too, was what will AMD do to respond to this? And actually, just yesterday, they announced their Radeon RX 6000 series cards, the 6800 XT, the 6800 uh, on its own. Uh, The 6800 XT, by the way, is the one that's going to compete with the 3080, and that's going to go for 649 which is it's a little cheaper, fifty bucks cheaper. But yeah. to compete with it head to head, we saw some benchmarks from AMD. It looks pretty competitive in some cases. In most cases, it seems faster than the 3080. Um, in some cases, the 3080 beats it out slightly. But mm-hmm. the key is this is cheaper. This has a lower power draw, and they're just like they're a console, you know, camps and fans and everything. There are people who still stand for AMD stuff and ATI stuff when it used to be ATI. So I think those fans are going to be happy because AMD has not had a high-powered graphics card for a couple of years, like not since the 7, which was like a big honking hot card. 
They also announced the $999, $6900, uh, 6900 XT, and that's kind of a far-off card that's not coming till December, but um, that's the one that's probably going to be competing with NVIDIA's $1,500, 3090, RTX 3090, all these numbers, also confusing. <laughs> um, we're basically seeing the playing field kind of... Uh, appear for PC gaming and now's the time for gamers to kind of make their choices. I think based on what we've seen so far, the Radeon stuff looks really interesting and AMD is doing this thing where if you have one of the new Ryzen 5000 series CPUs, the Zen 3 chips, there's going to be a bit of a memory boost if you're using both together. I almost wonder if that's going to give PC gamers some of the like uh, cool memory lift we're seeing on the PS5 and Xbox Series X because it's all AMD hardware in those consoles too. So, hey, it's a really good time to build a gaming PC because the new AMD chips uh, in general look good. These new GPUs could be hot. Wait a couple months um, if you're waiting to if you're aiming to build a new system soon, and if you're waiting to upgrade, you know it's a good time. But wait for all the reviews to come out. That's all I'd say. Charlotte, Is it also worth waiting because maybe they will be cheaper around Black Friday? Like, I don't think graphics no, cards makers not, do Black Friday sales. I, w- I wouldn't say Black Friday just because they're these things they are, just, are brand new. There may yeah. be bundles. Like sometimes Newegg and other sites will do bundles to give you a better overall deal. One other bit of news: Nintendo had a couple of announcements this week. And I think in particular the ones that are really interesting are that um, cloud game streaming is coming to the Switch in the US and other countries, mm. starting with Control, which is a game that's so graphically intensive, it brings the PS4 and the Xbox One to a crawl. So it is, it's is—it's interesting. I haven't played it yet, but I do think it's kind of fascinating because theoretically, these games could end up performing and looking better on the Switch because it's being processed in cloud hardware and beamed over the internet to your, you know, to your device. Right. They could end up looking better than a console because... PS4, uh, base PS4 with Control did not end up so good. Control's a beautiful game. It takes advantage of all the latest technology. It did not scale well to older hardware. So that's something a lot of console gamers have have had to deal with. So that's exciting. And uh, Hitman 3 will be coming eventually too via cloud streaming on Switch. Can I play on my Switch? You can. You can. You should actually have the... But the the thing is so slow. (laughs) That's the magic of cloud gaming. Uh, yes, even your slow little switch, as long as it can receive a steady, fast internet connection and decode video, which every every piece of junk hardware can these days, you can do cloud streaming. So I, I, I really want to see wow. how gamers take on this. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So those two games are first. And mm-hmm. then does it sound like Nintendo is trying to build out as, you know, cloud gaming library or... I don't. So it's not really Nintendo. I think Nintendo has opened it uh, up to these developers because cloud gaming has been in Japan for the past two years, actually. It started with Resident Evil 7. So they kind of tested it out there. And Japan is a really interesting area to try game streaming because it's such a dense population with really good internet. Like it's much easier to, to, to deploy cloud streaming there. In America, in elsewhere in the world, it's much, much harder. So. Hey, so Switch gamers can finally check that out. Yes. Um, if you try out Control, if you try out, yeah, yeah, tell us what your experience is. Drop us a note at podcastandgadget.com. We'd love to hear your feedback. In other mildly depressing news, I guess. Mildly? Uh, <laughs> mildly. I don't want to bring it down too much, but the big social network slash information sources on the internet, like Google, Twitter, and Facebook, have been grappling with what to do around the elections. And this week, there's been a set of news from all of them. Uh, and let's just kind of run you through what was announced. Right, Google announced that it will temporarily ban election ads after the polls close, which, you know, makes sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Facebook also- said it would do that previously, too. Right. So let's just say it makes sense because they're trying to avoid confusion after the polls close, which is when a lot of misinformation is going to be flying around. You can bet certain campaigns will be trying really hard to say, hey, we won already. (laughs) Like make the American population think one thing. But what, what right. else is usual in? Um, along the lines of confusing people or, or making sure people aren't too shaken, uh, YouTube is going to have information label type things that will warn users to say that election day results may not be final, which is mm-hmm. 
something we're all getting yep. ready for, uh, a situation we're getting ready for. Then uh, Twitter also uh, claimed it will preemptively debunk election misinformation. Um, you know, Twitter has been testing sort of ways to do this, to kind of fact check tweets, to kind of make you read an article before you retweet it. So this is, seems like another step in that direction. Uh, not sure yet how effective that is going to be, but we'll see. And then <laughs> they're finally, trying, they're trying yeah. something. Like, l- let me just say, like, I don't know how effective any of this is, but t- after years of ignoring it, um, Twitter is proactively trying to block misleading things. And this warning, I guess, I don't know how it'll actually affect people, but it's something rather than pretending the problem doesn't exist, like some other my, social my networks. My whole thing yeah. is that people on Twitter in general, I feel are either already pretty aware that a lot of these tweets are misleading sure, or sure. they're going to stick to their guns and refuse to believe anything else. There's That's that kind of how it works, yeah. Right. And so I I mean, regardless of whether there's a label there, but this is a good effort. Like at least yeah. Twitter is trying to do something. Meanwhile, uh another piece of news this week was that the Trump campaign apparently is testing the limits of Facebook's election ad rules. Which seems like how we got into this mess to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Twitter and Facebook and yeah, Facebook said it would stop accepting election ads after a certain point. So they had to run some ads that they'll be running at future dates. They had to run at least once to get a single impression. Mm -hmm. The ad they ran was a freakish, horrific thing where it's like Trump's face in the Teletubbies. (laughs) Is it the Teletubbies' son? And like... The sun is the the thing, but also like his face, like it was just weird. It seemed more like Monty Python horror than, hey, we won an election, people. So anyway, go check Um, out that thing because that's linked in our our video or in our article about this news. But that's okay. Makes sense for them. I I applaud the companies for trying. I think we're all grappling yeah, yeah. with this very uncertain future, especially as everything is really aided by technology now that we're all staying home a lot more than we were last time. Um, but I was going to say that this is a funny year for me because Singapore just had an election, mm-hmm. um, like our biggest election in every five years. And it's interesting to see how like the two different countries do it. Because in Singapore, we have like all the election campaign stuff, only... That's only really allowed in the week leading up to the voting. And then you have one day called the cooling off day uh, (laughs) that no one's allowed to advertise. No one's allowed to talk. Like none of the politicians running are allowed to like promote themselves. Um, And then citizens are supposed to like take a day to kind of reflect and think. Mm -hmm. And then the next day you go to the polls. So or the voting stations. So it's really interesting for me to see like all these different yeah. rules in America. Um, well, and yeah. you guys, I think you guys benefited from seeing the complete mess that was our election <laughs> system for a while. Oh, so, no, it's, but it's always yeah. been this way for Singapore yeah. since we. No, I know, were, I know. Yeah, but it's, but, it's but we've like always how, been watching the mess. You've elsewhere, always been yes. watching, and how long <laughs> has voting been a thing in Singapore? Right since the sixties. So, so not since that the sixties, that's. Yeah. Still hundreds of years after America has yeah, tried and sure. failed and made many, many mistakes. So it is interesting to see younger countries kind of optimize the system in a way. Meanwhile, we're like, a lot of people are like, no, we cannot change anything right, you know, right. from hundreds it's of funny. years ago. That would be un-American. Hmm. Anyway. That, that does. Yeah. We're like <laughs> technology is the way we live our lives now. I think we need to do something about keeping up. And, and I think that's a grand point here. Right. Which is. Yeah. We need to move things forward. We cannot keep leaving. Like, I'm sorry. I've beaten this dead horse so dead it's rotting. But like, oh, so many things in the American infrastructure are so backward. <laughs> like, it took y'all till this year to do contactless payments on your subway. Like, come on. And, yeah. and it was Well, listen, was it? not everywhere has subways in America, too. Like, it's... That's... I get that. Yeah, but the places yeah. that do have them... Only added yep. them this year. And then the banking mm-hmm. situation here is also a complete mess, but I don't want to get too much into that. Anyway, yeah. welcome to Sherlock's it's, Ragey It's Talk. much harder to change an older country that is kind of set in its ways versus you're young and new and, hey, I'm trying to build a new... What, what does a new democracy look like, you know? And that's Singapore and it gets yeah. its results like Sherlin. Um, yeah, but not, yeah, not, yeah, we're not yeah. without our problems. Yeah. We're not without our problems. <laughs> um. It's interesting to see how all these social networks are kind of taking responsibility 
for right. at least their roles as arbiters of information. Uh, Facebook for a while certainly seemed to refuse to mm-hmm. to really acknowledge what it is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as some you know as a company, basically as a media company, and they don't want to be called that. I think around the 2016 election, after that, after there was, you know, a lot of reports of Russian interference and then more and more evidence of it, Facebook was staunchly denying it for a while. And then reports came out a couple of years ago that, mm-hmm. no, Zuckerberg knew, like they knew a lot of the things that were being reported and just chose not to engage with it. So I think overall, it seems like all the social networks are trying hard to like, they don't want, they don't want to be the ones at fault for something going wrong. With the yep. election this year, be so everyone's Facebook, being right. safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, we haven't really, I don't think we've really talked about the movie The Social Dilemma on this show, have we? Not really, no. I, I, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I, I, well, I saw it over mm-hmm. the weekend and um, I, I think it raises a lot of these questions, brings up a lot mm-hmm. of talking points too, and a lot of similar theories, right? The responsibility of these companies versus what they're trying to not do. Um, or not claim responsibility for. So mm-hmm. it's not just about the politics. It's about everything. It's about people's reliance on technology, people's addiction to technology. They need to claim more responsibility and own a lot more of that rather than mm-hmm. just the politics. So yes, it's nice to see them step up around this week, but let's hope they take on more responsibility in the future. Uh, people or the companies? The companies. The companies. I hear you. I hear you because I do feel like a lot of the responses we've seen to this is, um, hey, you're the one that's staring at your phone and doom scrolling and doing all this stuff. Like the companies <laughs> yeah. are just providing you the platform. And right. it's as if we forget that these companies for the past 10 years, when I've been covering startups, I've seen like what the terms growth hacking and the like the way these companies are focused on ha- tapping into our addictive tendencies, you know, our need for constant feedback our need for you know uh our drive for dopamine hits that's yeah. what these are the loops these companies have built and that's what facebook has built around it's what instagram is basically and mm-hmm. these these things like you end up being kind of addicted to these services because it's what they it's what they programmed it's what it's they their, built their priorities to, to me it's their mm-hmm. priorities their priority is profit if their priority yeah. is profit then they're going to want dau and MAU numbers to be high which um you know someone on twitter pointed out to me too so Mm-hmm. There you go. Get the get your priorities right, people. Let's move on to what we've been working on this week. Uh, on Monday, I wrote up a cool new microphone from Sure, and I was kind of hinting at this in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. It is called the MV7. It is their first microphone that is has both USB and XLR connections, Ooh. and that's pretty hot because it means you can plug it into your computer without like any other extra hardware if you need to. Um, or if you have a whole studio setup or like an audio input, uh, an audio mixer, you can plug it into the XLR connection there. If you look at it, it may look familiar because they are clearly aiming for the beloved SM7B, which is the microphone that Joe Rogan and a ton of you know major podcasters mm. use. That is the flex microphone. You know, like when when you see that <laughs> microphone in front of somebody's face, you're like, oh, you're a real podcaster. You're not oh. just an amateur. Um, so, you know, that it is funny to see sure this thing is $249. And overall, it's a cheaper way to, I wouldn't say get into podcasting. I don't know if this is... This would be a great first mic. I don't think it's if you're starting your first show and you don't know if you're going to be doing podcasting, you know, for a while, maybe not worth investing this much. There are a bunch of great mm-hmm. $100 microphones. Uh, Audio Technica's ATR 2100X also has well, oh. that one the one Trillin has uh, Let me just Mine do this. mine is Trillin. Yeah, yeah, Trillin is yeah. currently pointing to her microphone. Tell us about it, Trillin. Mine is the AT2020 which is yeah, the the basic of the most basic of basic like beginner <laughs> mics and it's really I wouldn't affordable. say that. That's a good like that's a good it's, mic. That's not It's basic. a good it's, not a, it's snowball. a good starter mic. It's not like a it's yeah. not like a the sure, right? That you're it's talking It's better about. than a snowball. It's better than so many other mics. So the other one I was yeah, mentioning is ATR 2100X which is newer than Sherlin's and it has it also has USB and XLR connectivity. So you kind of have flexibility there. It doesn't, from what I've seen, it doesn't sound as good as the Shure does. And for 249 mm. bucks, the Shure sounds great over USB, over XLR. They give you a lot of software for, you know, managing your settings. And if you're in a noisy environment, it's a, it's a good mic to have because it's dynamic. So it's not, 
it's capturing mainly your voice and the things right in front of the mic and external noise is usually left out. This is something like even I, like I've been doing podcasting for so long, I didn't quite like grasp until a few years ago because I've been using um, really good condenser mics. I had a Shure PG42 USB for years and it sounded great, but mm. problem with condensers is that they capture everything. They're not good for voice work. Mm. This mic, the Shure SM, the Shure MV7, is kind of tuned to be like an ideal podcaster mic. Nice. So hey, if you've been, if you have a Yeti, if you if you have something you're looking to upgrade, this is a good mic because you can still plug it into your computer. It you can grow with it, and I think like even if you travel with it, it's useful because it's relatively small. So I'm I'm really digging it. It seems like a nice smart move by Sure to also lean into the buzz, you know, around their, their I, marquee yeah. microphone. So like Shirley and a ton of people, anybody doing podcasting regularly, you should at least have a mic like this, you know. I want to upgrade mine, so this is one yeah. I'm looking at for sure. I'm mm-hmm. considering it. That price point is good for me because I do podcast a bunch. Um, yep. So, yeah, it'll be a night and day difference from even the which is a great one. So what have you been working on, Sherlyn? Uh, this is like my vacation, you mean? No. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Well, by the way, let me just say, when I joked last week that Sherlyn was probably in a corner somewhere playing her 100th game of solitaire, that was right. Totally right. You were, right. you were. Because uh, <laughs> the irony of it was I was streaming the podcast after I woke up at a leisurely, I don't know, 12 noon or something that day i was like oh yeah. i missed the engadget live stream i guess i'll watch the playback and uh you know devendra said at some point that i was right probably at the in a room somewhere yeah, yeah right at the beginning you were like okay, i didn't watch the whole thing you were like <laughs> uh, she's probably in a room somewhere playing solitaire and i was playing solitaire while i was listening to the playback mm-hmm. i was like oop you got me um <laughs> But anyhow, now that I'm back, uh, I have, I mean, this is thankfully a relatively slow week for me, considering the last few weeks have just been double review, double review, double review, and a ton of streaming events and stuff. So um, this week I'm working on a few reviews. One is, well, not a few, uh, one review, which is a Galaxy tablet. Um, It's not under embargo, it's a Galaxy Tab A7, so it's just a pretty Mm -hmm. decent, you know, mid-range or even lower end range tablet, and mostly because people seem to be so interested in Android tablets. Again, we're giving this uh, a review, and then I'm also working on this pretty wacky wearable. I don't want to spoil the <laughs> surprise for you guys, but it will be on Engadget by the end of this week, if not early next. Um, so take a look. It's really it's kind of wild, and then uh, you know typical holiday gift guide stuff. But the other thing I wanted to shout out to was this week. My friends and I, something we've been working on for a few months now, really ever since the uh, Black Lives Matter protests started Mm -hmm. happening, uh, we launched a new mentorship program called Platform Agnostic, and it has a focus on diversity. So it's really about um, people who want to break into tech media and don't have the opportunities to because maybe they don't have the same access to resources Mm -hmm. or, you know, they don't know they don't know how to start. Um, this is for people who are not just like young. It's really for everyone of all backgrounds. We want people who are from different countries, different, you know, gender identities, different, you know, BIPOC, LGBTQIA, those sort of communities are, you know, people we're looking for as well, but also like accessibility. We want people who are of different able-bodiedness to apply. We want people who are considering a mid-career change too. Like age is not a limit. Age should not limit. You could be 75 and you want to be a tech reporter and I don't care. Like just apply if you want to, you know, (laughs) find a way to connect with someone who's really established in the industry. I mean, we have some pretty big names uh, in our mentorship, like file, I guess, our list of mentors. We got Dieter from The Verge. We got Davey from The New York Times. Lisa from BI, she was at Time Before. Uh, Sheree L. Smith is one of my co-founders. She's the editor-in-chief at Laptop Magazine. So it's a passion project. Mm -hmm. I know I don't have a lot of time (laughs) in general, but I found time to do this. Y'all should check it out, platform-agnostic.com. That's cool. And let me just say, there is clearly a need for this, um, just because I think a lot of tech media kind of looks the same. Yeah. In many ways. So the more voices, the more points of view we can get looking at things. I think the better our tech, you know, industry will be overall. Um, Yeah. If we can get more people with different accessibility needs to cover tech, we will have better people reporting on accessibility tech. Mm -hmm. And then the tech companies making their tech more accessible (laughs) will have better insight. Like, come on. 
We, yeah. we you know, we need more. We need just we need more voices in the spectrum. I want people to think deeply about tech, and I'm glad uh, you're providing a platform to get new people into it, Sherlyn. So congrats. So spread the word far and wide. If anyone you know is looking for an <laughs> opportunity in tech media, please tell them to apply. Platform-agnostic.com. Let's move on to a listener email we got from Danny in Portland. Yay. And yeah, thank you for saying this, Danny. And by the way, if you want to shoot us any notes or anything, uh, send us an email at podcast at Ben, what does Danny have to say? So normally we're reading like YouTube live stream comments <laughs> during our live stream. And yeah. so I, I love the emails because it allows people to go longer and be a bit more eloquent. So I'm going to have to actually like summarize this because sure. uh, I don't want to read it word for word. <laughs> but Danny from Portland is saying that regarding Apple's removal of earbuds and uh, power plug from the iPhone package, it's totally fine with him because he's been a um, you know iPhone and smartphone user for several years now and so if you're even getting a upgrade every couple of years now that means that you have all of the chargers that you need he said that he has you know chargers for the car and a couple of rooms in his house and enough to um, just leave something in his luggage for whenever he goes on a trip. So he's actually saying, like, is there a possibility of giving some stuff back to Apple? Um, I think the idea here is trending toward, you know, can they recycle them? Can they do anything mm -hmm. else with them? Gotcha. Gotcha. There is. So in particular, like, this is a good idea. I will say a lot of places are taking electronic recycling in general now. Like you could walk into Best Buy because they sell a bunch of crap and you can just hand them old batteries and old equipment and they will recycle it. The broader thing is we don't know what happens to these products. So there have been a lot of stories about like, you know, piles of electronic recycling that was supposed to be sent to China and like stripped down and everything doesn't end up there or it ends up like in a village somewhere where people are picking through, you know, acidy batteries and decaying metal and everything it's not great so Oof. yeah it's there are places to do electronic recycling please do it if you're like me and a lot of other people and you have a pile of old gear take it to best buy take it to your local like electronic recycling plant or outfit like they in new york there was one in brooklyn um one thing i used to do is just like assign a task rabbit to like please just take this box bring it there send me proof of recycling drop off and i'll pay you 20 bucks for that or something there are a lot of ways to do that um yeah i don't i don't feel too bad about this but i also don't think it's as huge a uh environmental move as apple claims it is there have been a lot of reports where Actually, by making the boxes smaller and by fitting more boxes on a pallet, Apple is claiming that they can ship, you know, fewer pallets out to get stock. But a lot of people working in stores say that's not true because we can only order so much. So actually, the pallets will just have less things. And it's a more it ends up being more inefficient in the long run. But yeah, Sherlyn, any thoughts? I mean, I think we've, we've I've said my thoughts on this before. Yeah. I think, yes, there's just, too, I, it's good to hear from Danny, right? The, the whole reason mm -hmm. we asked for listener feedback is because we're, as tech reviewers, I'm very aware that we live in a very insular world. So mm -hmm. I have a lot of chargers, but not everyone does. And it's good to hear that someone out there also has a ton of chargers, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, but I think Danny, Danny said a bit more too, right? Uh, uh, ben, do you have more to add? Danny actually sent this last week, and so we've kind of been in conversation. So um, he was talking about how 5G was... He thought that 5G was basically gonzo marketing at the beginning, mm -hmm. but then sure. he actually just sent a follow-up email like late last night saying, oh, I actually just got my iPhone 12, and because I'm living in the center of Portland, not too far away from 5G node, now I get faster speeds on my phone than I do on my home internet. And that's uh, pretty impressive. I think eventually home internet and plugging into your own home internet will go the way of having a home telephone. You know, like th this is the concept we've kind of come around to. Uh, a, maybe that mobile internet will be good enough to replace everything and hit every corner of your house and everything. And that's the future I want to live in. Uh, so we're getting there, but only for those lucky few who live near the center of cities, not for everybody else, unfortunately. <laughs> it's almost Halloween. We wanted to do something a little fun and talk about the gadgets we love that died. and The, the gadget graveyard. Yeah, the gadget graveyard or the vaporware we've always wanted and just never, never quite 
came to pass. I don't know what you call those, the the ghosts of hardware <laughs> past or, or something of gadgets past. Uh, it's that we basically put a call out to the Engadget staff to you know, send some of their cool ideas along. Um, I'm going to talk about something. Sherlyn's going to talk about some. And then we're going to play a couple segments from other Engadget folks. And if you want to send us your own submission to this, um, your favorite gadget that is no longer around or something you really wanted that never appeared, shoot us an email at podcastengadget.com. You can record a note on your voice memo app. If you have a microphone, that's always great to keep it to like 30 seconds to two minutes or something. And we'll try to get into a future episode. So I'll kick this off. (laughs) <laughs> with my favorite dead gadget, which I will never stop talking about because I, I love it so much. And that is the Sega Dreamcast. And uh. if you want to read more about this, I wrote a piece last year on the the anniversary of 9999, the 20th anniversary. Um, I wrote a piece called The Dreamcast Predicted Everything About Modern Consoles. And it did. But for me personally, it was just a device I loved. It was my first console that I bought with my own money. I had a lot of free time to actually play it, <laughs> unlike systems now. And um, I actually ran a little like fan, a few anime like fan websites back in the day. Oh. And I was able to put up affiliate links and earn some money. And I earned like three to 400 bucks of affiliate money that I was able to put towards Dreamcast games. So I was living the hot teen, you know, Dreamcast <laughs> life. It was great. I love that console. I miss Fantasy Star Online. But I do think. If you're looking at the PS5 or the Xbox Series X or any system today, the Dreamcast started it. It was the first mm. connected console, um, out of the box at least, and it ran Windows. It had so many cool ideas, and I'm, I'm still bitter that the PlayStation basically beat it out because I think it was... Uh, it's a much better console than the PS2. Go go back and look mm. at Dreamcast games and look at the anti-aliasing <laughs> on that compared to first-gen PS2 games. Come on. I don't, I don't know. Sherlyn, what is your favorite dead gadget? Uh, it's not so much my favorite as the one I kind of, I guess I miss a little bit because it reminds me of my rebellious teenage years. It's the my, my Discman. I, I can't even remember which <laughs> model or brand. I think it was a Sony. Uh, so Discman. not a mini disc, but a Discman. No, an actual Discman mm, that okay. was about like you know, size of two palms. And I would put in all my CDs. I would burn CDs. Yep, I'd be like, yep. let's Did burn Did it play MP3s? Tracks. Was it a disc man that listened to? Yes. I think it played MP3s. And yep. I mean, I switched eventually to a little like player, but but this was my disc mm-hmm. man because you know why I miss it? Because it would randomly skip because the CD was kind of just <laughs> off a little bit. Yep. It was just like, the track would just skip. It was great. And that was like, it reminds me of when I bought this janky set of earphones, headphones to go with it. It was really, really flimsy. But back in the teens, I used music to drown out my parents yelling at me like most <laughs> teens do. So like that teens, really yeah. was, oh yeah. Like, so that mm-hmm. was like my lifesaver. And I'll, I will say this, I miss it a lot, but I'm also glad that Discman sort of doesn't exist anymore because our music players have just gotten so much better in general. Be, like, yeah. there's so many more ways to drown out your parents if you want to. <laughs> um, so that's my that's my Gadget Graveyard nomination. Great, thank you. And let's listen to a couple <laughs> picks from Engadget staff. I'd like to make a quick ode to my favorite zombie gadget, the iPod Shuffle. Apple discontinued this over three years ago, back in July 2017, and though it's dead to the world, mine is still very much alive and well. I will be using it until it doesn't work anymore. It's just the perfect music player for workouts. It feels lightweight, and yet somehow the clip itself is super sturdy. It always stays clipped on to whatever clothing I'm wearing. The physical buttons are easy to find by feel, and I don't have to worry about battery life the way I do sometimes when I carry a not fully charged phone on my runs. Yes, this means I still have to own wired headphones. And yes, this means those wires occasionally get in my way during windy runs. But you know what's nice? Not having to wear my iPhone 10 inside an armband or fanny pack when I jog. Zombie iPod, I love you. One of my most prized possessions is probably my Tascam Porta Studio. It's a four-track cassette recorder. I got this for Christmas one year in the late 90s and have basically never let it leave my side. I still use it today as a mixer between my instruments and my computer when I'm writing or composing music. Um, I'll often mix out to it to cassette to get a little bit of warmth and like lo-fi tape hiss and warble. It's such a staple of my life. I can never imagine giving this thing up. I don't know what would happen if it ever broke on me and I had to figure out a way to get it serviced 
were fixed. Tescam even had to go on Facebook fairly recently and squash everybody's hopes and dreams by saying it would basically be impossible and financially irresponsible for them to attempt to build another four track recorder. The one piece of dead gadget that I still think about once in a while is the first else, which was a smartphone from an Israeli company called Emblaze Mobile. And I still remember how I was blown away by the phone's futuristic interface, which was dominantly blue in color, with its menus and submenus spread out in a fan-like structure. It was really cool and intuitive, and it felt like something that came out of a sci-fi movie like Minority Report. And it goes without saying that this was way slicker than iOS and all those Android variants at the time. It claimed to be a game changer, it wanted to upstage the iPhone right away, and even tried to create its own app ecosystem. I got to play with the phone again at CES 2010, and at the time, I was told it would launch by the end of Q2 that year. Sadly, by the end of June, the company apparently ran out of resources and had to kill the first else. It still tried to license its software to other phone makers, but that didn't work out either. That's the story of this vaporware from Israel. Happy Halloween! The release of the Game Gear Micro earlier this month in Japan has got me thinking about a similarly named device, the Game Boy Micro, which Nintendo released towards the end of 2005. This was like the last hurrah for the Game Boy Advance series, with the original Game Boy Advance coming out in 2001 and the SP model came out in 2003, and then you had the Nintendo DS in 2004. By the end of 2005, it really seems kind of superfluous. Like, why is Nintendo releasing this thing that no one really needs. They either already had a Game Boy Advance or they've moved on to the Nintendo DS. It was a very single-minded device. It played Game Boy Advance cartridges. And people kind of hated it because they thought it was too small. It was four inches long, two inches tall. But the thing is, for me, it was the perfect size. It was the right size to fit inside a coin purse. And I mean that literally because my uncle gave me this little leather coin purse that he bought in Peru and it fit perfectly inside this coin purse along with a pocket where I could put like one additional cartridge. Put a flash cart and you could have hundreds of games in this tiny little package. Let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. Uh, I'm going to recommend something I was not planning to last week, but I've seen <laughs> the new Borat movie, um, Borat subsequent movie, a very long title, which actually changes several times throughout the movie. It is very good. <laughs> And I'm shocked to say that um, it's funny. It's actually really insightful and interesting. It's kind of like heartwarming at the same time, mm. which I did not expect from a Borat movie. It is such a much better movie than the first Borat, which was just, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen going around and like just really making a lot of cringe comedy and trying yeah. to like poke fun at American culture and everything. But that was a movie, you know, at a point where I think political dialogue was a little more balance like mm -hmm. even even if like a lot of the country was pushed into a war and one administration like really really fought for that uh it felt <laughs> like he was making fun of both sides whereas now borat is back in a time where america is like a divided country in, in such a like clear way and he is taking a stance and I, I think it's really funny like this entire movie is about him delivering a monkey to um to mike pence as like the the great gift of you know of kazakhstan, kazakhstan. and eventually eventually n not a huge spoiler but eventually it's like okay he has to end up delivering his daughter to mike pence as the best gift he can and explores all of that because there is a baby borat there is a borat's daughter um a, you know a great actress who comes in and joins sasha baron cohen for these um for a lot of these sections the thing about a Borat movie is that I think Sasha Baron Cohen's skill, his, his like major talent is the man has no shame. So he will <laughs> put himself into a situation that I think will make most people just die from embarrassment. Like he will just go in and do it. Uh, I do want to throw a shout out to Maria Bakalova, who plays mm. Tudar, mm. Borat's daughter in the movie. The movie really starts out because we, we know the character Borat and he, like he's a he's a he is a way for Sasha Baron Cohen to talk about, you know, sexism and racism and um, anti-Semitism. And he is an extreme character. So at the beginning of the movie, he is a guy who's like, oh, he, I have a daughter. She lives in a barn. She has, you know, no rights. She cannot drive. She cannot read. And his his one goal is to 
give her away to Mike Pence. And <laughs> there is an evolution over the movie that I thought was really smart and funny. And I will say this movie should end Rudy Giuliani's career. If you haven't heard the news about that, just just go watch it. It's incredibly gross. Sherlyn, what yes. have you been watching? What do you want to recommend? I spent my time off watching TV like crazy so that I could Good. recommend more stuff to you guys. Um, this week, though, I want to start off with a correction to my last recommendation. Oh, my God. What now? <laughs> last time I gave uh, a recommendation for something you guys should watch, I said uh, horror anime. Uh, I mentioned Jikoku Shoujo, which is Hell Girl, which is really mm-hmm. good. And then I said Pet Shop of Horrors, which then I went on to give the synopsis for another horror anime yeah. instead yeah, of yeah, Pet yeah, Shop yeah. of Horrors. So yeah. uh, I want to correct that. I actually meant to say Triple wow. X Holic. Triple X Holic is a clamp manga uh, and yeah. anime, and it is freaking fantastic. It is <laughs> one of my favorites by far. I mean, ca- Card Captor is up there, but Clamp Cardcaptor, is just yeah. really good. And, uh, you know, this has some tie-ins with Cardcaptor, sort of if you watch Tsubasa uh, Rift Chronicles. But uh, it's basically what I was saying where, you know, there's this woman who runs a store. People can come uh-huh. in and buy stuff. But then be- as the title, goal, the title goes, there is someone that's always a holic of something, like XXX-holic. You're a shopaholic. Uh-huh. You're an alcoholic. You're whatever, a TV-holic. And so this store is magical and it draws those people in and they buy something and they take it home with them and it just messes up their life or punishes them for their addiction. And it's pretty good. I really enjoy it. Um, The main characters are fun. There's a character called Watanuki and I think uh, Doe someone else is one of the people in the store too. I just remember (laughs) because the ship name for that relationship was great. Uh, It was Domuki or something. And yeah, I, I mean, if you like manga if you like anime and you like horror or fantasy anime that's a good one to check out sure my... I, do, I do like to see you go full weeb mode trillin let, let me just say <laughs> it, it does kind of warm my heart a bit speaking of clamp um did you ever read or watch x which is no. a movie that's i mean x was kind of a big deal for a while and Clamp's in working 2000... on something else right now by the way sorry yeah 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 yeah, yeah clamp is ahead. i love clamp um clamp is great at least during the 90s and 2000s it was an all you know female all group female. of art, manga artists are. Yeah, so love them. But X was a thing they did, which was about the end of the world. (laughs) So it is a perfect thing to watch right now because it is about, it was about like the apocalypse and the main character had the ability to choose from ending the world or, you know, stopping the apocalypse and keeping humanity going. But there are clear reasons why maybe you don't want to do that. X, the TV series, which they did in the 2000s, was pretty good. There is a movie that's not great, but I, this is a good time to watch X or read X. I'll probably go back and do yeah. that. What's your other rec? I'll check it out. My other, my proper recommendation, which is not a correction, is Unsolved Mystery <laughs> Season 2. Uh, yeah, it's very yeah. Recent one. Have you guys seen it yet, both of I've you? I've seen some of it, yeah. So I know I committed to spooky season picks this week, uh, this month, and I will say there is one episode in the second set of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, episodes on Netflix that is pretty spooky. The Japan mm. episode, if you're looking for something that might give you some chills, you can check it out. It's pretty out there, uh, as in the sense that it's not about a police case. Uh, it's about you know one of the more fringy uh, mm-hmm. episodes that they tend to do. Right, last set of episodes we got an, an alien UFO kind of a case. We got a this UFO one, one is about, which yeah. yeah. This one's about supernatural things. So mm. I highly recommend you check it out. It's also, but at the same time, I mean, the way the director filmed this episode was to spend the first half of the episode talking about the tsunami uh, of way back when I think 20, I'm not even going to guess the year. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half of it, kind of the impact of the tsunami on the people and, you know, it explores both the supernatural side of things, but also the psychological side of things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really appreciate is kind of like science versus, you know, folklore approach to things. Uh, so that episode stands out to me, but the rest of the episodes are also good. I mean, I, I went down a Reddit hole again <laughs> just to figure out which of these uh episodes or mysteries have been solved or if there's any developments and you know reddit doesn't reddit has been very good with unsolved mysteries yeah yeah but reddit (laughs) users aren't too happy with the with the way netflix may have portrayed some Mm -hmm. of these cases which is fair Mm -hmm. but you can always go look up the actual you know case files netflix makes them available to get more information out of them so that's really fun too feeling like you're solving a case together with the whole online community And that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. 
Our outro music is by our very own Terence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. If you want, you can find Devendra online at at Devendra on Twitter or at the slash Filmcast, where we're podcasting about movies and TV. We just launched a Patreon, so check that out. I'm hoping Ooh. to pump out more content. And I just want to throw a shout out to everybody. Hey, this is crazy time, hard time. If you want to take some control of your life and where you think things are going, please vote. Please vote. Uh, I can't vote, unfortunately, not being a citizen of Thank this God. country. But Thank God. <laughs> If you would like to send me, uh, you know, any questions you have about the mentorship program that we just launched or tell me what games I would enjoy on PS or Xbox, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast at Engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Dog on camera. Yeah. Oh, she's so tired. She's so sleepy. <laughs>